Now more than ever, the importance and intrinsic value of connection is amplified. Connection with our land, with our homes, with our histories and stories, and with each other. The power of human connection is a force to be reckoned with. That's something you might find out alongside Ana Limon when she tries to find the missing granddaughter of the woman she's caring for on the podcast, Mabel. This week, we'll share in her love and in her horror, right here on Radio Drama Revival. Hey folks, welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the podcast that showcases the diversity and vitality of modern audio fiction. I'm your host today, Elena Fernandez-Collins. David's not sick or anything. I just wanted the Mabel episodes for me. Mabel is missing. Anna has been leaving voicemail after voicemail, trying to get her to come visit her elderly, ill grandmother. The house Anna's in is a strange, contorted, ethereal, and highly unusual one. Mabel is nowhere. The Mabel podcast considers itself to be a story about ghosts, family secrets, strange houses, and missed connections. It's also about love, blossoming from the oddest of circumstances. Love that grows in spite of, that's in defiant fury of, its environment. It's about secrets, and whether uncovering them is better or worse than not noticing them at all. Mabel is a queer fantasy horror podcast that's rooted in the creator's Irish and indigenous Mexican backgrounds and religious practices. It excels at not just blurring the line between fiction and reality, but obliterating it entirely, and asking you whether the fiction you're experiencing is a reality, and what parts of your reality are fiction. What you call unreal fairy and ghost tales, and for instance magical realism, is often called just being Latinx as you'll hear in our interview next week. Without wasting a moment more, let's experience the thrill and curiosity of Mabel, Episode 1, The Letters. Mabel, Episode 1, The Letters, in which nothing becomes clear. Mabel Martin. I'm not here to take your call right now, so please leave a message after the beep and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thanks. I'm going into the ground for you. Hi, Miss Martin. My name is Anna Limon. Um, I'm with Kings County Home Help. For the past six months, I've been your grandmother's live-in carer. Um, I got your... I know this is a little bit unorthodox, but I got your number from a friend of a friend, or an acquaintance of a friend, I guess. Um, I don't... That doesn't really matter. It's not important. Um, I'm calling because it's regarding your grandmother, actually. She's fine. I mean, she's as well as can be expected given the circumstances. Uh, this isn't one of those calls. There's just something that I would really like to talk to you about, if possible. Um, I'd appreciate it if you could give me a call back on this number. I'm available every day from 2 until 5 or any time after 9 p.m. Okay, thank you very much. Bye. Hi, this is Anna Limon. Um, I called three days ago and I haven't I haven't heard back, so I thought I'd just try again, in case you didn't receive my last message. Um, I was actually thinking that maybe my phone is on 
private number or something and you didn't have my number to call me back so it's six oh or um, maybe you tried to call but it didn't go through I know that reception can be really weird up here in the hills um, or Maybe I didn't have my voicemail set up and you couldn't leave me a message or something. So I checked all of that. It's all working now. Um, if you could give me a call back at some point, that would be great. This is Anna Limon. Did I say that already? Um, it's your grandmother's care. It's, it's, it's really not a matter of life or death or anything, but... I'd like to speak to you. Thanks again. Um, okay. This is Anna Limon, again, um, I, I hope that you haven't gotten my last two messages, um, or, I mean, I hope there's a good reason why you haven't gotten my last two messages, like, maybe you're on a tour of Europe or something, not like I hope you're dead in a ditch somewhere. That's, that's really weird, I'm sorry. I just mean, I've gotten to know your grandmother pretty well over the past six months, and I'd like to think you're not the kind of person who just ignores someone for the sake of it, because you could. I'd like to think you're the kind of person who does things for a reason. And... If you have a reason not to want to talk to me, that is fine. I get it, really. Family is, family is crazy. Yeah, I get that. But if you could just, if you could even just send me a text, maybe to say so, I'd be really, really grateful. I'd shut up about it, I swear. Okay, thank you. It's me again. I mean, um, it's Anna. Just trying to reach you. Ugh. Whatever. Forget it. Okay, so here's the thing. Your grandmother, Sally, um... I've spent a lot of time around her, and she likes to talk. We both do, I guess. She's lucid a lot more than you'd expect, maybe. She has good days and bad days, but she's sharp. She remembers. And like I said, she likes to talk, and one of her favorite topics is you. So... This is kind of strange, right? Because I actually know a lot about you. You're like... Like a character in a book, almost. Because everything I know about you, I know secondhand through the narrative your grandmother tells. And so me calling you, it's, it's kind of like calling Jane Eyre or... Henry Winter, or Roland Deschain, or something. But it's even stranger than that. Because I can hear your voice. I hear it every time I call you in your voicemail message. I know you're real. You're right there. Only you aren't. 
You're not even close. Isn't that funny? I think it's kind of funny. Most of all, it's like I am talking into a wishing well. Just water and echoes and silence. It's lonely out here. I don't think I actually even meant to say that, but it's true, so screw it. I know you've been here. Sally keeps photographs of you on her mantelpiece, and now that she's in the chair, it's my job to keep them dusted. So, I see you all the time. You, eight or maybe ten years old, sitting out in the tree swing. You've got your hair and pigtails and this funny expression on your face, like you're waiting for something important to happen just beyond the line of sight. I'm standing in the kitchen looking out the window at the tree swing right now. In the picture of you, it's, I don't know, it's pretty, but It's like something from a hundred years ago. A little bit dreamy, a little bit romantic. Now the rope's green and frayed and the swing seat is cracked and the tree's covered in ivy. It's still pretty, but it's different. A little bit darker spookier maybe the whole house is spooky though that's actually kind of what I wanted to talk to you about not the spookiness of the house or whatever but uh, you're just wanted to know about the letters. That's all. Hi, it's... I'm sorry. I'm being... I don't know what I'm being pushy or rude or just plain crazy. I like my job, you know? I like people. I like helping them. I chose this. No one forced me into it, but it's a strange way to live. In someone else's house, waiting for them to die so you can move on to another house, another dying person. Living in flux, in stasis, which isn't really living. Not really. And the older people, they they go to bed so early long before the overnight carer gets there, so there are all these hours of dark, of being alone in a place that doesn't belong to you. And even when the night carer comes and you're off duty, you're never really off duty. You can't go out to a bar and drink a couple beers and bring someone home with you. You can't even play your music loud and dance around your bedroom naked. It's like being a cross between an infant and a senior citizen. Your life isn't really something that belongs to you. I'm not complaining. No, I'm complaining, but it's not because I'm unhappy deep down. Like I said, I like my job. And Sally's great. She's wonderful. 
she listens to me and she likes telling stories and she's kind. She goes out of her way to be kind. But she has secrets. Sorry, I thought I heard something. This is a big house. Before I came here, I don't think I'd ever set foot in a house so big. Last year, I worked for a lady who had three different floors, uh, upstairs, a downstairs, and a mezzanine. And I thought that was the most decadent thing in the whole world until I came here. You must have had the best time as a kid, running around and poking into all these rooms and cubbies and closets and attics. That was what I wanted to tell you. The attic. So, last week, maybe Monday or Tuesday, Sally told me to go get down the box of Christmas decorations from the attic. She wanted to sort through them, see which ones she could have me bring into the Goodwill in town, and which ones she might want to put up. The attics are like... Well, you probably remember what they're like. They're huge, bigger than any house I've ever lived in, and full of these insane labyrinth twists and turns. Someone put up walls, but only here and there. These bizarre dividing lines that turn the whole place into, like, a naked human brain all looped on itself and gray and buzzing. The boiler is what buzzes. It's like a cat purring endlessly. You can feel it vibrate if you touch the floor touch the walls. It's like being inside something alive, like being inside a heart. Sally said the Christmas decorations were right by the stairway door in a box marked 1986. I found the box. I dusted it off and brought it downstairs, put it on Sally's wheelchair table for her. But when she opened it up, she started screaming. Not just crying, but screaming like a fox, like something inhuman. I've seen my fair share of dementia. I've seen panic attacks and heart attacks and stroke and death and nothing much that the human body can do really scares me anymore but Sally scared me. I don't think I've ever been so scared. I took the box away just threw it in the other room and tried to calm her down. She stopped screaming eventually. Eventually, she let me touch her again. She looked up at me and said, I'm going into the ground for you. And then she said it again and again and again, I'm going into the ground for you. Like that, like it meant something else, something important. It took a long, long time for her to calm down. All day, maybe. The relief carer was sick, so I didn't have a break until Sally went to bed that night. And then it was just me in the box. 
What would you have done? I went straight for it. There's no version of the story in which I don't go straight for it. Inside. Inside there were letters, hundreds of them, maybe thousands, bundled into packets and tied with red and white butcher's twine. All of them had the same envelope with a navy stripe across the top. All of them were written in the same scribbled, uneven handwriting. All of them, every single one, stamped with a red stamp that read, Returned to Sender. Not one of them opened. Each one addressed to Sally Martin this house, at this address. All of them sealed with a single red lipstick kiss. <sighs> if you could just call me back, if you could just let me know that you hear this. I I'm, I'm not asking for a conversation at this stage, just something. Something so I know I'm not talking into a hole in the ground. I just... We're sorry. This mailbox is full and cannot take new messages. What's in those hundreds and thousands of unopened letters? Maybe Mabel is asking herself the same question about the hundreds and thousands of unopened voicemails Anna has left. So maybe we'll open them together. Us and Anna, and perhaps Mabel. On episode two, Really Red. Mabel, episode two, Really Red. In which someone gets angry. Mabel Martin. I'm not here to take your call right now, so please leave a message after the beep and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thanks! Mabel. Can I call you Mabel? I feel like maybe we're on a first name basis at this point. You know some of my secrets, I know some of your secrets, but more than that, more than your childhood memories I hear secondhand, more than the letters I found in the attic and what happened after. I know something else, some important, hidden thing. I know you're listening. I know because yesterday this voicemail inbox was full and today it isn't. You can't clear an inbox if you're dead in a ditch or somewhere far beyond cell reception. You just can't. So, yeah. You're there and I'm here 
and maybe you're only skimming these messages to get to the end so you can erase them and keep your inbox empty again but you hear me you hear me so I'm real at least a tiny bit I don't really mean that. I don't want you to think that the quality of care your grandmother receives with Kings County Home Help is in some way compromised by her live-in care's growing detachment from reality or anything like that. I know I'm real. I know what isn't isn't true. It's just... You get strange up here above everything. Here with the black cherry and the switchgrass. You start to question. Not the important things like, did I give my client her morning meds? Or am I supposed to change her bandages today or tomorrow? But smaller details. Have I looked in a mirror in the past month? If I met myself on the street, would I know me? Have I altered in some way? Am I a stranger? Sally's calling. Look at him. I think he sees me. Hey. Sometimes I get angry. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it's like, it's like something inevitable, something I can't stop like a tidal wave or a gale force wind. I just have to sit and wait it out. Most days I'm I'm fine, really. I can I can do what I need to do, go to bed and sleep and wake up and do it again, but sometimes it's always something small that sets me off. Not enough milk for my morning coffee. Stubbing my toe when I get out of the shower. Something completely meaningless. Completely fleeting in the grand scheme of my life. But one minute I see that my tire is a little bit flat. And the next I'm banging my fist on my horn over and over. Furious about systemic oppression and corruption, and children born into poverty, and every terrible thing I've ever witnessed or read about. This morning, I woke up too early and couldn't get back to sleep. And then when I got out of bed, I stepped on an exposed nail. And then later on, I found a dead baby crow outside the front door. And that was it was all it took. I know I sound crazy. I promise I'm telling you this for a reason. The point isn't that I have an anger problem. I don't really. I'm just weird. The point is that today The only thing I could think about after I got too little sleep and cut my foot and had to bury a dead baby bird in the flower pot was you. You with your distance. You with your high ground. You never having to witness anything, always at a remove. You you giving up responsibility. Yeah, 
I know, it's... It's not fair. Of course it's not fair. What is? You had a fight with Sally. And I don't know what it was about, but I know it happened. She told me that much. I should respect it. Respect your choice to stay away. Staying away is easy. You don't have to see anything. You, you have the luxury of putting it all out of your head. All this mess. Sally is dying alone and you might know that, but you know it in abstract, in theory, not in practice. making myself angry again. This is what the whole morning went like. I know... I really do know that this isn't about you. Not wholly, at least. Maybe it's because I'm the last person who will ever be close to your grandmother. Maybe it's because I keep thinking if you could see her, if you could see how small she is, how much difficulty she has with even the most basic tasks, maybe, maybe it wouldn't change anything, but anyway, I was thinking about you all morning, like slamming pans down on the stove. Mabel doesn't have to do this. Shooing a stray cat away from the flower pot where I bury the dead crow. Mabel probably never had to bury a dead animal in her life. Mabel doesn't have to watch anyone die. Mabel doesn't have to take responsibility for anything. And like I said, I know that's not fair. And still, it's true. You don't know what your grandmother's existence is like. You don't know what she's struggling with, completely alone except for me, who she has to pay. So, I'm going to tell you. Not so you're forced to see the gruesome horror show of Parkinson's and dementia and old age. Nothing like that, I promise. Just so you're part of your grandmother's life again, even if only for a few minutes. Even if only from a distance. Today is... Today is Wednesday. Sally woke up at seven. It was, it was a bad morning. You learn to tell before you even go in. You can, you can kind of feel it. The house feels it. I brought her tea and medicine. She's taking a lot of meds these days. She has to, in order to keep any kind of mobility in her limbs. And then I sat on her bed, and we told each other our dreams. That's something we do every morning. It's a weird habit we have. Sally dreamed she was at a garden party in a white dress, listening to an ambassador complain about deforestation. I dreamed I was trapped in a mall after all the shops were closed. When she was ready to get up, I helped her into the chair and brought her downstairs. She she has a stair lift now. She, <laughs> she calls it Goliath because it reminds her of a giant hand lifting her up and down. I made her oatmeal for breakfast. She listened to the radio while I cleaned. Then I gave her a bath. 
She had to take a nap after. She gets tired so easily. After lunch, I had to make her do her physical therapy, which she absolutely hates. She always tries to bribe me to get out of it, but I'm a pretty good carer, so I never take the bribes. Later, the relief carer came over. Sally napped while I went up to my room and read a book. And then I made dinner. Soup. We always have soup. She watched the news on TV and then she was tired again. So I brought her upstairs, undressed her, put her to bed. And here we are. Tomorrow will be the same. The day after will be the same. Everything will be the same until something changes. It's dark now. I'm sitting in the big living room, the one Sally calls the green parlor. I can see my own handprint on the window from where I reached out at the dark earlier in the evening. Fog, breath, cold. I'm waiting for something, but I don't know what. The house is waiting. I... I lied to her, actually. I didn't dream about being stuck in a mall after her closing hours. Or, no, I did, but that wasn't the whole dream. It wasn't the point of it. The point was there, there was someone else in there with me. I think it was a girl, but I couldn't really see her face. I could only see her mouth. It was, it was bright red. Not like Revlon, really red, red, but like meat red, something raw. She kept saying a single word over and over, the same word. I think she was trying to make sure I remembered it or something, but I didn't. It was gone from my head when I woke up, only, only the shape of it was left. Three syllables, something like, like penumbra, but not penumbra, or like autumnal, but not autumnal. I don't, I don't think our dreams really mean anything. There's too much white noise in our heads. But it was... Does it bother you if I call you at night like this? Or do you have some kind of special app on your phone that Never lets my number even ring. You'll listen to this sometime, I guess, even if you don't listen to it tonight, so... It's like I'm not alone. Like the future tense of me isn't alone. I don't know. Whatever. just one of those nights where no part of your body wants to rest where you said it. Do you ever have nights like that? Maybe you don't. Maybe Mabel. <laughs> That's the kind of joke you make at 3am on a work night. 
there are lots of things that might be keeping me awake. I'm worried about Sally. I'm worried about my own mother. She's been sick the last few weeks. She's going to the doctor for tests tomorrow. I'm worried about my nephew who can't stop crying when my sister drops him off in kindergarten. I'm, I'm worried about my own future, what it'll look like. If it'll ever look any different from this. All of these are, they're real concerns. They're logical. No one would begrudge me a sleepless night because of them. But, here's another secret. It's not worry keeping me awake. I can't sleep because I can't stop thinking about those goddamn letters. Uh, maybe if I just opened one? I'm making you an accomplice in this. I'm I'm making you culpable. Sally's asleep. She's a deep sleeper. It's just the two of us tiptoeing through the house. Did you do this when you were a little kid? Sneak around after all the grown-ups were in bed? down to the kitchen or out to the garden or the hills. I would have been too scared, but you don't strike me as the kind of person ever to have been afraid of the dark. Not even as a child. I know that's a, that's a funny thing to say. I've never met you, never even spoken to you. stories Sally told me about you, they, they make you mythic. I know you the way I know any of my other favorite characters. And there's the best part about that. If I'm wrong, yeah, so I'm wrong. It's not like you're going to correct me. doors that section off the main foyer, the one no one uses. I saw, I saw my reflection in the glass and yeah, I'm the idiot who's wearing a white nightgown. Did I tell you I used to be afraid of the dark? Maybe, maybe Scratch used to. look in the big brass mirrors because I know if I do I'll see something I don't know just something I'm passing the door to the library and the green parlor and the front room where I shoved the box of letters under... Yeah, here it is. This is as much your fault as it is mine. I hope you know that. You might not be here, but you're here. You were in this with me. This is your story too, even if you won't admit it. 
Okay, Mabel. I'm opening one of the letters. Do you know someone named... Oh, crap! Sally, are you... Mabel is written and produced by Becca Delarosa. The voice of Mabel Martin is The voice of Anna Limon is Becca Delarosa. The music in this episode was by R. Sonar, Chris Zabriskie, Avoidant, LJ Cruiser, Hogan Grip, and Morse, and all of it is available to download on the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. For more information about Mabel, including a full track list for each episode, visit us online at mabelpodcast.com or on Twitter at podcastmabel. What's happened to Sally? Will we ever find out what's in those letters? If you loved the mystery and shock and poetic nature of Mabel, tune back in next week as I interview the show's creators, Becca de la Rosa and Mabel Martin, And isn't that a head-scratcher? You can learn more about Mabel at MabelPodcast.com, where they have transcripts, merchandise, and secret messages. You can support Mabel at their Patreon, patreon.com slash MabelPodcast. You can support Radio Drama Revival at our Patreon, patreon.com slash radiodrama, or by buying merch at our shop at radiodramarevival.com slash shop. We've even got totes you can carry around a batch of mysterious letters in. And now we bring you our Moment of Will. For your Moment of Will this week, I wanted to bring you a poem by Gloria Ansaldúa. Gloria Ansaldúa was an amazing writer, thinker, and poet. Her book Borderlands, La Frontera, The New Mestiza, is a great place to start for reading about indigenous Mexican heritage, culture, and life. I highly recommend it. This poem, Creature of Darkness, is from that book. Three weeks I've wallowed in this deep place, this underplace, this grieving place, getting heavier and heavier, sleeping by day, creeping out at night. Nothing I can do, nothing I want to do, but to stay small and still in the dark, no thought. I want not to think that stirs up the pain, opens the wound, starts the healing. I don't want it to stop. I want to sit here and pick at the scabs, watch the blood flow, lick the salt from my face. While all the time a part of me cries, stop, stop. Behind that voice, shadows snicker. No, we like it here in the dark. We like sitting here with our grief and our longing. This is where we live. Home, they whisper. We're a creature of the darkness. A lump of me says, what are you hiding? Under that black log, that gray fog, a pink salamander, a mole without eyes, things that slide into holes. Oh, creature of darkness, creature of night, creature afraid of the light. I let my friends think I'm doing a gig somewhere on the other coast. They would come around and coaxed me out of the deep. No one must find me here in the dark. So I feed that hole to stifle the loss, to muffle the loss, to smother the loss, but its mouth grows and grows and I grow fat and I grow numb, sole inhabitant of this dark underplace, this grieving place. No one must find me suspended in darkness. Soft, furry body, loose hanging skin, swinging upside down into the yerp yerp of bats. Three weeks I rocked with that wide-open maw, refusing to move, barely daring to breathe, sinking deeper, growing great with mouth. A creature afraid of the dark. A creature at home. In the dark. Listener, I hope that you check out Gloria Ansaldúa's other work, and I hope that you will return for our interview with the creators of Mabel next week. And until then, I love you. Sorry for that spooky poem, but it was kind of on theme, you know. Okay, bye. Now, here comes the traditional end of episode gong, followed by the mysterious fluttering of leaves on the wind, swirling into the distance.
And that means it's time for the credits. This episode was recorded in Portland, Oregon, which is the unceded territory of the Chinook Indian Nation, the Cowlitz Indian Tribe, and the Clackamas Tribe. If you would like to support natives getting their land back, the Chinook Indian Nation is currently raising funds for the purchase of their 1851 Tansy Point Treaty Grounds, the only known place where all five tribes and their members were present at one time. You can find the link to their fundraiser in our episode description or embedded in our transcript for this episode. Our theme music is Danger Digadoo by DJ Stranger Danger. You can find his music on SoundCloud. Our line producer and associate interviews producer is Will Williams. Our senior interviews producer is Eli McElveen. Our associate producer is Sean Howard. Our researcher is Heather Cohen. Our social media manager is Ann Baird. Our submissions editors are Elena Fernandez-Collins and Rashika Rao. Our lead host is David Reinstrom. Our executive producer is Fred Greenhalge. I'm your host, Elena Fernandez-Collins. And this has been Radio Drama Revival. All storytellers welcome.